All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This is the Wally and Mathot Show Live. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Wallace and Mark Mathot. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wally Mathot Show, brought to you by SportsInteraction.com, Canada's online leading casino and sportsbook. Sign up today and enjoy the most competitive odds on all sporting events across the world. SportsInteraction.com slash Wally Mathot is Mestradamus approved. Uh, hi, Mark Mathot. Nice to see you. Hi. <laughs> now... Um, we're going to try something today. I have no idea how this is going to work. Uh, Mark Mathot has been set up to be able to chat in the YouTube chat room. So uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Um, so good luck okay. typing away, Meth, if you can figure it out. Also, before we get any further, I need to ask you about something. Um, you're a big social media guy. Something you posted the other day, I think needs clarification. Uh, Alex, can you show me the picture, please? Okay, this you posted on Instagram is about 15 pillows. Oh my I'm god. I'm assuming it's <laughs> I'm assuming it's on your wife's bed, your bed. Um can, can you explain this to me? There are one, two, three, five rows really of pillows, to, I can tell. Do we how much time do we have? You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen. I I'm I'm all for throw pillows, you oh. know. It's okay. I get it. It looks good. Obviously, when I was living on my own as a bachelor, before I had a family and a wife, um, there were no throw pillows. I bought a couch. Whatever it came with was what I had in the living room. Ellie, my wife, God bless her, believes in throw pillows. So we have, 
we must have over 200 of them in our home, like spread out throughout the dining rooms, the living rooms, the bedrooms, whatever you name it. That's our bedroom. There's about five different layers, like deep of, of throw pillows that I have to take off the bed every night before we go to bed. And I'm the one that's responsible for taking them off. She puts them on and I have to meticulously put them in the proper area in the corner of the bedroom, because God forbid if they touch the floor, because we have dogs, of course, that sleep on the floor. So I'm in a bit of a, I'm in a bit of a, a hole here and I don't know how to get out of it because they just seem to keep multiplying every week. There's new pillows that show up from HomeSense. So I'm willing to accept any <laughs> advice out there. If people are willing to kind of hit me up in the chat or whatever you were doing and uh, give me some advice. Uh, how many pillows do you think you own in your house? Well, probably I think in my initial count, I had assumed it was about 20, 25. It was completely <laughs> off because my wife corrected me when I was making fun of her for this the other night when we had friends over. And I think, I believe the counts over 200 pillows, Wally. And we're talking like nice pillows, fur pillows, faux fur, whatever it is. <sighs> I need a beer. <laughs> well, uh, there's no other beer to have than a whitewater beer. Uh, and let me bring this point to you right now, <laughs> since you brought it up. Um, I'd like to talk about uh, whitewater. Uh, if you go there right now at shopwhitewater.ca, they have this package. It is called the 12 Beers of Christmas. It's currently on sale. You can get it for home delivery. Obviously, it's 12 different beers. Um, and you, you can get home delivery, free home delivery for the Valley or Ottawa. Go pick it up uh, or go stop at 78 Pembroke Street in Cobden and pick it up. Of course, uh, they also have this other stocking stuff for meth to let you know about. You can get one can of beer of your choosing and one piece of glassware uh, for $10.95. It's called a stocking stuffer. It's amazing. So I suggest go to shopwhitewater.ca, fill that up with Christmas stuff and get it delivered. Anyway, that is Shop Whitewater and that is brewed by our friends at Whitewater. Um, now, without further ado, I'd like to bring in, uh, Alex, do we have our guest on the line? Hey, there she is. Look up, Wally. Lift Cheryl Pounder. <laughs> Great. How are you? Is there is it okay? You can hear. Her? Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, um, just so we, before we get into this, I just want to let people know how impressive Cheryl Pounder is. Uh, I dug up some notes, and I just want to point out that you're a five-time world champion. You're a Seven Nations Cup gold medal. Uh, you also got a silver medal. You're an all-star selection, the 2005 Women's World Hockey Championship. Um, oh, yeah, two Olympic gold medals, by the way. And then, of course, you've done some color commentator work, and you're now a star uh, at the TSN family. So uh, we are so happy to see you on board. Thanks, Cheryl. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm pretty excited. I, I was just looking at those 12 beers of Christmas and I've been known to to enjoy my <laughs> beverage or two. So do they deliver to Mississauga? Era? Where where can we find you, it? They they don't just deliver it in a truck, but you can get it shipped to Mississauga. Absolutely. All right. All right. We're going to have to I work on that. Up. So next time I'm on, Cheryl, I'll grab gonna, one while we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, we'll take care of you. Don't worry about that. Just send us your address <laughs> and we'll take care of the rest. Wally will. All right, Wally all right. will do it. Just to know, yeah, I, I love a good pint, so so I'm in on that. Um, I'd also like to point out that Math notices nothing about anything I do and has not commented on my Christmas decoration here on set. Um, this, what is that? This is that that's that's a weed. Okay, so what? I'll I'll 
I'll explain this. When I moved out at like 20 to go to school, I didn't have a tree. My mom was very upset that I didn't have a Christmas tree. So she bought this for me at like the dollar store. And I've now put it out every year since. And I, so it's like, I don't know, 27, 28, 30 years old. So um, there you go. There's my Christmas tree. I wish, I actually wish I knew that you were going to show that because one of my daughters made one, <laughs> I'm going to say in grade two. And every time we put it on the mantle, it, it looks um it looks a little inappropriate it's it's a, a tree that's rounded at the top and every time we have guests uh, over they stare at it and they go um pounder uh what i'm like she made it in kindergarten and we're leaving it up so it's, it's the focal point of some good conversation so i'm going to make sure that I, I i i bust it out and show it to you guys at some point nice very nice <laughs> I, so um, I, Meth, Meth started decorating for Christmas, I think back in August. So I'm curious, are you ready? Is your tree up? Okay, so if I could turn my camera around, which I can't because I'm not that tech savvy, <laughs> I would show you there are three boxes in my living room. Uh, there is no area <laughs> in here that you can walk through because I am in organized chaos. My house and everything in it uh, looks very similarly to, to my living room floor, which is chaos. But certainly, I normally am done by now. I am one of those November firsters. I know it's this big oh, no. controversy here in my family. That I love it when I walk in the mall after Halloween and I see it all. I don't really walk in the mall though, guys. I don't really shop. So anyway, I <laughs> love Christmas. It's my favorite time of the year, but I've just been so busy um, that mm. I haven't had the opportunity to, to get it up yet. But that's my plan tomorrow night. Get up my tree. <laughs> I, homemade we have two trees, trees. By the way. oh by the way mm. is it is it fresh nice. oh, uh, sorry is it real or is it uh, a fake tree oh no no it is fake all the way yeah i've never actually had a real christmas tree i've just heard what a pain in the ass those pine needles can be and yes. how cleaning it up right so i've never yep. had a real one i just put on a scented have... pine that makes it feel real <laughs> we have a real tree and it's a mess uh but we felt that the kids should at least have one growing up. So the last few years we've had a real tree in the house and I hate it every year because it's just a mess. <laughs> and then you wonder, is it gonna fall over this year or not? Um, all right, let's, because this always excites Meth when we do these kinds of conversations. Uh, let's move on, shall we? Uh, we got lots to talk about when it comes to the Ottawa Senators. Both of you do a fantastic job of breaking down and analyzing what's going on. I first would like to start, however, uh, with a topic we like to call biting mad. Uh, the biting incident between Brendan Lemieux and Brady Kachuk the other night. So, Matthew, you played in the game. Uh, there have been a lot of people on basically Brady's side saying there is no place for this in hockey. Uh, have you ever experienced something like this? And what is your take on the play? So, if I had I've ever had a female bite me? Yeah. <laughs> well, there's potential there. And I would, um, I, would, I, would lump, I would lump my daughter into that category. Yeah, yeah. Well, my kids did it when they were young and, and you're not supposed to bite them back, right, as a parent. But no, this yeah. is different. Uh, no, I, I think there's no place in the game for biting. Uh, it's, you know, no matter how heated it gets, uh, you do it the way you're supposed to do it. You, you, you fight. And and for me, that's just not called for. And and I was kind of, I was watching it as well. And I was like, is that, is he saying bit? Is he saying he bit him? And, you know, my husband and I were watching. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what he just said. He, he bit him. And so it was over and over in front of the camera, of course, and uh, that caught, obviously caught wind. And uh, yeah, but no place in the game, in my opinion, for for biting. Yeah, no, I agree, Cheryl. And and I think from my 
from my experience, I mean, I never, I've never been bit in, in a game. I've never been in that mm. position. I mean, I've lost, I've had issues with my fingers as everyone knows, but it was just from sticks and whatnot. But I just, I can't imagine what would prompt somebody to be willing to do that. Like I can understand. And, and this is where I start questioning what was happening in that little, that little dog pile on the ice, right? Like was Brady's yeah, hand around his face? Was he yeah. trying to smother him? Like, so, you know, and I'm on team Brady, full, full disclosure, you know, like I yeah. grew up watching Lemieux's dad play. I was never a fan of his. I hated Claude Lemieux. I respect what he was able to bring to the table. It was entertaining, but yeah. uh, you know, I, I, just to go back to my original point, I, I just, I don't understand what the hand was doing there. Was Brady just trying to push his face into the ice at that point? You know, when someone's jamming your head into like a hard surface, you might make an argument that anything is fair game. Survival. I don't know, but, but, yeah. but again, uh, in the moment, that's one thing. But at the same time, I would never advocate for biting. If kids are watching, do not bite. Yeah. Cheryl and I are on the same page. There's no room for it in the game. Yeah. And you do. Yeah. Anytime okay. that you're you're in that position where you know you got someone's hand in your face and, and you're heated and you're emotional, um, yes. maybe that is what prompted it. But certainly, again, you have to have the ability to have the restraint not to, not to bite. I mean, biting is just <laughs> off the table. It's like hitting a guy below the belt, right? Like you just, there are certain things that yeah. you just don't do. And even if you're yeah. compromised, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have had his hand in his face, but it's, it's all, it's, it's part of the game and you have to maintain that level of, of rational, um, rational fighting, if you will. I, I don't know what the word is for it, but uh, yeah, yeah, no place in the game, in my opinion, even though there's always extenuating circumstances, uh, but you got to yep. find a way to just hold off uh, with using your teeth. So one <laughs> thing you both have seen a lot of uh, lately is Brady Kachuk speak. He speaks very well. Uh, he usually pretty good at towing the line, doesn't say a lot. So I want to read this comment to you and tell me what you think of just how, uh, I'm going to say how pissed off he is. Uh, quote, this is the one time I'm going to answer this. It was the most gutless thing somebody could ever do. This this guy, you can ask any one of his teammates, nobody ever wants to play with them. This guy's a bad guy and a bad teammate. He focuses all on himself all the time. This guy's a joke, shouldn't be in the league. Uh, no other team wants him. He's going to keep begging to be in the NHL, but no other team is going to want him. He's an absolute joke. Like, it's outrageous. Kids don't do that anymore. Babies do that. I don't even know what he was thinking. It's just a complete brickhead. Uh, he's He's got nothing up there. Bad guy, bad player. Like, you never hear this kind of stuff, rarely, uh, in the National yeah. Hockey League or in professional hockey. Like, this is a pretty uh, pissed-off Brady Kachuk. Did he step over the line, Cheryl? Well, first of all, I'm surprised he got the mic. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, it's 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 interesting. I think there is uh, value in his honesty. I think, you know, when you when you talk about a guy being that pissed off about something and being bitten, uh, certainly he can talk to that. But I think when you when you listen to how upset he was about it, I think sometimes when you're heated and you're emotional, you can you can go over the line a little bit. Like again, so there's these two things. I respect the honesty and I think it has to come out. But then there's a point where I think it can be just a little bit too much. And I think that's where he went. But he's a, he's a young guy. And I think as he matures, he'll figure out that line as well. But it, it's one of the reasons why I think everyone is gravitated uh, and they're pulled because he's a polarizing guy. He, he, the energy, the honesty is what makes you love him. But at the same time, I think as he grows through his maturity, he'll realize, ah, maybe, you know, I didn't need to add in a uh, bad guy eight times. So, or whatever number it was. So <laughs> I think from that standpoint, I think, yeah, respected the honesty, love the fact that he came out and said certain things, but then, you know, he, he could have stopped there. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think, 
and you touched on it a little there at the start, Cheryl, where for me at least, now that I'm removed, I'm on the other side, you and I are both obviously not playing anymore. I just love the entertainment value involved. I mean, yeah. people <laughs> sometimes take this so personally, but it's an entertainment business. And it's not, it's refreshing to see somebody show a little bit of color and a little bit of emotion. And uh, I do agree. There's a line you have to toe and you don't want to go too extreme. And I can't think of a worse thing to be called than a bad teammate, like especially in the hockey community, you know, where yeah. we're usually pretty conservative and reserved when it comes to media. But to be called a bad guy, that cuts to the core. So right now... <laughs> If I'm Brendan Lemieux, I'm thinking about that in the room. I'm sure his teammates are probably gathering around him as they should. But at the back of your mind, I feel like that's just creeping there. Like he's probably wondering, am I in fact a bad guy? Can I be a better teammate? <laughs> and it plays well, games with you. I, I remember that brings me back to a story when I played. And Pacioretty, we were playing against Montreal. Pacioretty was obviously there. And I think we were playing them in the in the playoffs. And Patches was like, hey, Mathot, because we were going back and forth. And I was playing him really hard. And he goes, I heard about you. I heard about you and I'm like, it bothered what did me. What did he hear? Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay, Christ, what, what does he, what does he know about me? You know? And then the next period stone, Mark stone comes up to me and goes, Hey, Pacioretty told me he heard about me. What is he talking about? So he was yeah. using that same insult with all the guys. So that gave us reassurance. But my point is it stuck with me and I still remember it to this day. It so it, it messed with you. Know, <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I, I agree. You know, sending just sending the message, really, and uh, just that that that, um, that it can creep in there. And I think, and I think that's big. But again, you know, you, you talk about it. I mean, clearly Brady Kachuk, I think, knew what he was doing, and he's a smart guy. Yeah. He's a smart, he's a smart young man. Um, when he grabbed that uh, the, the mic, I think, in some ways. Uh, and on the other side of it, I think, you know, as he grows, I think he'll he'll learn a little bit. To tailor that but again it's so nice Agreed. and refreshing not to just get the you know pucks in deep the same stuff we're getting all the time uh that we hear <laughs> we know the answer to before we actually get it and so it wasn't yeah. scripted which is what i love about it uh, there was energy and passion in it which i love about it uh just that element of how far do you push that where i think he could mm. pull back a little bit yeah especially when you're captain right i think that's the argument yeah. is that i'm agreeing with when you're saying that it's like that's your leader you obviously want him to have a to maintain a level of professionalism but again I, I think i, I think still maintain i like the entertainment value and i think that's part of his youth right i think he's going to grow yes. within that whether he, when you talk about sometimes of his play on the ice as well it's it's you can see that he's young and he'll learn. He will learn these things and how to gauge that energy and learn when to use it, when not to use it, when to, to prompt something. But again, I just think that's part of growing in, into leadership as well as learning in these moments, uh, you know, how you'll do it next time. But again, it's, it's who he is right now, which is I think yeah. why everyone sort of uh, just knows that it's authentic. And I think authenticity and being genuine is something we don't, always see and that's something i think people are gravitated towards i will say if you didn't see jonathan quick came out in defense of brendan lemieux uh, part of his quote is he's a valuable player who sticks up for his teammates we all support him i'd rather have him i'd rather have him on my team over that kid any day of the week so at least um there are some people sticking up for brendan lemieux and i like how and it continues to go back and forth except they only play these two games against each other until next season would have been great to see it again, eh? But no, I, I agree. You know, both sides have to protect their guy, right? And I think that's what's yep. important here. And um, and that's what they're doing. 
And especially with the messaging where they probably felt it was offside in some ways. So, you know, both sides doing their part to, to, to take care of their, their team. And, and that's what they should be doing. Mm -hmm. uh, NHL referee Tim Peel uh, said he thinks that he should get over 10 games for this. I looked up uh, biting incidents. The only recent one I could find was Anton Roussel got a $5,000 fine, the maximum allowed for biting Mark Edward Vlasic. I think it was like 2017. Um, there's certainly been a huge shift to what people now expect to happen. Cheryl, I'm going to start with you. What do you think that he should get uh, in terms of punishment here? Oh, I'm I'm up there. I think it, you're setting, you know, whether you know it's twenty back in 2017, and you're looking towards the future. If they're trying and players say, "Oh, it's trying to eliminate some of this stuff from the game," they're they they need to be harsh on it. I think, and I think that it'll, it'll be upward somewhere in around there. Um, but again, you know, when he when we saw the pinholes on his hand twice, you know, you're like, "Oh, <laughs> you didn't bite him. You didn't just bite him once." And I guess that you know that'll be have to be clarified on call. But um, once that's clarified, if it is. Then I think that it, it it's going to be it's going to be up there for sure. Hmm. Matt, how many games would you give him? I I'm kind of stumped on this because you yeah, you mentioned stop. Roussel and the five thousand dollar fine. Like I don't even know what the bar set at at this point. Like what's what's the standard with this type of disciplinary action? I I mean I I'd like to see him get suspended. I'll say that. I mean I think yeah. five games is legitimate. I mean the fact that you you know potentially need a tetanus shot after an NHL game to me speaks volumes so you know give them give them at least 5 games 10 seems very aggressive but then again that's that's you know it's subjective you can argue it depending on how you feel about it uh yeah, disciplinary action is needed i think more than a fine is justified so 5 yeah, games for I, me I, would be fair i'm with you there i think anywhere from 5 to 10 i mean you it, 10 is harsh but yeah. i mean he did have was that, guys, I have a question. Was that like a sterile wipe that they handed him to in the box that he was like wiping <laughs> down with? Was it? I don't know. It could have been. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Like, you're right. Like, I'm, I'm I'm, looking at him and you know those little, you know, you're, you're having too many wings and you're, you got you got crap all over your face and you got the those little, little wipe, the little towelette. I, I, I was like, is, yeah. that, is that what they just gave him? Like a sterile towelette? Um, <laughs> it, it, I, I was kind of staring at it when he was in the box. I'm like, I think it is. He's using a sterile, yeah. sterilette on his hand. Nuts. Yeah, it's it's wild. He uh, Brendan, by the way, Lemieux does have an in-person hearing. Uh, it doesn't mean yeah. he's going to get uh, five or plus games, but it certainly would appear to be that way. So we'll wait to see what the mm -hmm. punishment is handed down uh, probably later today. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, Mad Matt brought to you by BEI, Bonisher Excavating, Inc. Uh, helping to shape the Ottawa Valley. Go to BonisherExcavating.com and remember to slow down in construction zones. I just want to put like, okay, Cheryl, I'm going to start with you because... I feel like Matt, uh, Matt and I have talked about this ad nauseum. What is your reaction to sending Matt Murray down to uh, Belleville since he's cleared waivers, making $6.25 million? Where does this go from here? That's a great question, isn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, when we, we heard he was, he was on waivers, I mean, right away, you're like, that's a gut punch for a guy, right? I mean, that's a gut yeah. punch. Uh, and it's, it's clearly, you know, the message that they, they're fed up. Um, they know they need better goaltending, but in some ways, I think it's deflecting problems that they have really focusing the energy on just their goaltender, um, and pointing sort of the finger in one direction, which of course, I'm sure Matt Murray would be one of the first ones to tell you he hasn't been stellar on uh, his time in Ottawa, uh, very lackluster to say the least, but uh, there's a lot of deficiencies with the Sens right now. And if, you know, we can talk about them at, at um, you know, continue on and talk about them. So I think in some ways after um, DJ Smith essentially called him out, we knew something was going to happen. 
but I do think in some ways it's 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 deflecting the blame. And I think there has to be a lot of accountability on, on everyone's part here if they want to get out of this mess. And that's uh, accountability it is a two way street and it's looking at all areas of your game. And certainly he is one of them um, and getting sent down. It'll be his choice and how he responds to this, which would be very, very difficult when you won two Stanley Cups. No question. But um, how he reacts, one, I mean, big question. Will he play for the Senators again? Uh, and two, um, you know, what they can continue to do uh, from the defensive ends, in particular, you know, between the pipes. But again, I, when I look at this, I, I think it's it's definitely just creating a focal point to their problems. And I think it's it's more than just that area. Mm, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. I, I, this isn't just a goalie issue. You've gone yes, through exactly. three different goaltenders. Like we're yeah. not... I would understand blaming one guy in particular if the other two are performing fairly well and they're winning you games. But what is like they've they've lost what was Murray played? How many how many games have Murray played Wally in his last in the last thirteen games? Like was it like twenty five percent of those games? Twenty five percent. I think he's well. He's zero and five this season. He's zero and five. five right? No, I understand. Yeah, yeah. but the, I mean the team right. as a whole don't have a lot of points, yeah. right? So no, no. I, and and I don't like the way they handled it. I'll just say this right yeah. now. I know this isn't going to be any, any brownie points with anybody, but I don't care. I don't like the way they handled it on the road. I know it's a business, but you're talking about a $6 million player, supposedly your yeah. number one goaltender, who gets told he's going to get sent down, middle of a road trip, creates a logistical nightmare. It destroys his confidence. It's not good for anybody. It creates all these talking points. Look what we're doing right now. So... It draws more negative attention to the group and the team. I thought it was very reactionary. And, um, you know, I'm not there. I'm not in the room. And I don't know how the group feels about the goaltending in particular. I don't know how the, the players are feeling about it. But, you know, to me, like, he comes back from COVID. He has one yeah. skate with the group. Yeah. Then he has a pregame skate with the group. And then what? And then he has a bad game. Sure. Give him that. In San Jose, he didn't play very well. But yeah. you didn't really give him a chance, right? And I know he's had some chances throughout the season, but we know how players have responded to COVID. Like, you look at, like, Wheeler and Shifley. They have not yeah. been the same since COVID. Their stats no. are terrible. So yeah. give him an opportunity at least. And so you guys know how I feel about it. I'm not a fan of the way the team handled that in particular. Yeah. I think there's, like Cheryl said, there's a bigger issue at stake. There's a lack of depth up front. There's a lack of depth on D. It's very apparent with Batherson out of the lineup and Pinto out, yeah. two guys, all of a sudden the team's struggling just to score goals. Yeah. So there are and some big holes right now. There's some defensive struggles going on. Where where do you even begin? Well, you know, it's funny that, you, you know, you comment on that because it's it's true. When you talk about that sort of sending him down, you got really he had multiple injuries. And again, excuses are very real too, right? Um, but they yes. don't get you any further ahead either. So on behalf of the organization, um, or looking at the organization, yeah, it, it's true they've had COVID issues, no question. It is true that they have had injuries. It is true. And all of these are valuable and excuses are real. They're real. Yep. But they don't get you any further ahead while you sit there and talk about them. You have to do something about it. And that's mm -hmm. where I think the senators have sort of lagged behind is they haven't, you know, with Pinto out, getting that a centerman to insulate. Uh, what about their defensemen? You know, they talked about getting a top four defensive defenseman. They really haven't did that. I mean, Lassie Thompson has done a really good job in his six games in the NHL. But the fact of the matter is he's partnered in your top unit with Shabbat. Now, that's it. That's an issue. Exactly. And so yeah. when, you know, he's done a great job, but that's an issue. 
And so, you know, when I reflect back on, on Matt Murray, I actually think about a situation we were under back in Salt Lake City when we won the Olympic gold. We lost eight straight games, for those of you who don't know, to the Americans. We won one, okay? We won one. <laughs> but in the process, our team had been named. And it named, we had the pomp and circumstance around it. You know, we get, you know, the little kid comes out on the ice with us. We got our jersey. It was a marriage. And we lost our eighth and final game. And our coach cut a veteran. Out of the blue. Family had tickets for the game. Um, oh, wow. You know, because they recognized that they'd made a mistake. What we realized in that moment, too, was that player had been a scapegoat for all of us at that time who weren't performing. And so we had to rally around the fact that it could have been any one of us who were playing like crap. Uh, and, you know, she happened to be the, the scapegoat in that. And there were players around her, young youth that stepped in and did a good job in their way because it was their opportunity. And, and, and there will be opportunity for some guys in Belleville, clearly, that they're getting uh, to take advantage yep. of that, which I think Lassie has done. Um, but for me, again, you, you sort of deflect and you don't look at the holes that you have. And while you're making the excuses, everyone else is pushing forward. And so, mm -hmm. yes, it's real, but we, you know, something has to be done. And I think that's yep. the biggest, biggest lesson in, in this, I would say, is that you can't stand still because everyone can have an excuse that's very, very real. Yeah. And, and, and it is certainly an interesting decision. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Uh, and, a, and a quick story on this in Vancouver, 2010, the, the, the women were training to go to the Olympics and they were competing against one another uh, for the same spots on the same team. And they were put in groups of three uh, and they were to go and bike into, you know, the, the, the mountains in these groups of three and one group had a broken bike. And I remember one of my teammates telling me about this and they had a broken bike. So they were bitching and they were complaining about their broken bike and everything. And so one group comes in and passes them and then the next one comes in and passes them. And then the next one, while they're sitting there complaining about what they don't have. And then all of a sudden they realize, shit, well, maybe, sorry guys, we should put well, the broken bike in <laughs> no, the middle. That's okay. And, and you know what? And, and you've got the freshest legs, so you get on it. And, 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 and you know what? They didn't finish last. But the point of the matter was, while they were sitting around, they had a broken bike, they were right. Uh, you know, while they were sitting around complaining about it, they didn't get anywhere. So I think yeah. from an organizational standpoint, you got to move. Mm. And I, I and, totally and agree. I, and they seem to be, I right now, they seem yeah. just to be spinning their tires. Yeah, I, and I get, I love that. Like what Cheryl just said is great because no one's, no one outside of the organization is coming to help you. You have to fix this internally and you have to be proactive and excuses only get you so far. So accountability is a big thing. Like, I'd love to hear from people. I'd like to hear from the GM. I'd like to hear from everybody. Like, I know that yes. DJs had responsibility to do all the pressers and you're putting a lot of weight on like Brady, who's a young captain. And he's probably wondering, okay, what am I supposed to say now? Because nothing's yeah. changing. So they need a jolt right now. And I'm not in the office, but I totally agree that excuses you know, everybody's got them and they don't get you anywhere and it's not going to make your team better right now. And they're real. You got to make a move. They're real. And, and you know, and it, it's hard. It is so hard because they are real and it is unfair and all of those things, but it, it doesn't get you any further ahead. So you, you have to find how to work within that. And, and a, a nice example yep. back in, in 2002, when we were losing all those games, I remember it was the veterans and, and this is part of it. They're a very young group, right? They're a very young group that don't have all of the experience of, of having had go through, gone through a lot of this. And I remember the veterans pulled us rookies in and 
started talking to us about what to expect at the Olympics and, and shared their knowledge about things they'd been through. And we really had to buy in within the room because the world had signed, sealed and delivered us a silver medal going into Salt Lake. And we had to find a way to hold our confidence, which is so, I mean, like, let's face it, that is so difficult to do. Um, but we had to find a way within to, to share that and try and create culture within our room because we knew no one else was going to give it to us. So I felt yeah. like the veterans really had a, a good hand in that and, um, you know, started to help us get to the next point. And it wasn't looking too far ahead. It was sort of staying in the moment. And, um, and that's what we did and ended up winning. But again, very, very difficult situation. It isn't easy. It's not fair, but it is what it is. And so I think there needs to be movement. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, so and now, I wanted to so add one we, more thing, Wally. Just one more, one sure. more point. We need because a beer. Don't we, gonna make, don't we need a beer to talk yeah, about this stuff? Pe people are going to be like, well, Matt Murray needs to be better and this and that. And the goaltending has been very inconsistent. Like, okay, I understand that. But look at their numbers. Like November yeah. alone, they've only one scored game. first in two games of those 12 games. That's mm -hmm. just one obscure stat. I understand that. But like, they're never even playing with the lead. So well, you can you can keep pointing the finger at your goaltending, but they're dead last or bottom of the barrel in almost every metric right now. It's not just their, yeah. their D zone. It's also offensively. It's on draws. It's on their uh, goals against, their goals for. Like, they're not, they're yeah, not giving they're themselves any opportunities. Yeah, in the circle, they've been, it's been tough, right? When you don't, when you're leaning through the middle, as you know, it's hard to have success. You need to start yeah. with a the puck. They're not winning draws, it's, 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 it, which is critical. Uh, and, and also missed opportunities. We're seeing a lot of shots, you know, we're post, uh, Formington, right? That you, you get a lot of chances. You can't have yeah. two goals on a season when you're busting through on breakaways. And, and so all of these play into confidence because if they get the lead, what happens? And, and is there a more mm. jump to their step? And so, uh, as you know, as a former player, that it's just that, that layer of confidence when things go right and you know it needs to start with putting in you're not going to win a game right if, if if you're losing four zip and four two so you got to find ways to put it in and i think being creative that way and then of course giving up point blank chances in your own zone um great a scoring yeah. chances with lost coverage so we can talk about the goaltending all you want but unless you know really you you, you really connect and, and tie in those other pieces um it, it things are, are not going to get a whole lot better. So, so I think they got to look, you know, be proactive with that, which is difficult, but again, they got to start capitalizing on some opportunities and um, finding ways to put the puck in. You brought up November meth. Uh, I just want to point out there one 10 and one in the month of November as we get to now move to December, uh, a 442 goals against average and an 874 save percentage. Now here's the thing that I'd like to like in the last five years with Dorian at the helm, they have been atrocious getting out of the gate. And uh, the last two years, including this year, they're 4-14-1. and one. They are the same record. Now they sit last in the league. Where is the improvement coming from? Do we just – you? Cheryl mentioned excuses earlier that you can't always use an excuse. you got to make something happen. So, yes, they get knocked out by COVID, and, yes, they've dealt with some injuries. But other teams have had to battle through stuff as well. It just doesn't seem that this team is taking another step this year like we would hope to see them take. For me, I mean, when when you look at this team, though, you see some good things. Like you see their young talent, and you see them on the forecheck sometimes, yeah. and you're like, yeah, they got it. Like they've got it. That you know, when they're on the forecheck and they retrieve the puck, they're relentless on it. You got they got a guy above above the passing option when they lose it. There, there's urgency there. They're not connecting. For me, a lot of it is what's happening as 
they hit their blue line and the lost coverage isn't just down low, it's off of the rush. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that they can really hone in on. But when you see these guys activate when they have the puck, they do a good job. And so there's, there's a lot of things to be excited about in this group. And I know this is a passionate fan base and it's awesome to see. And they have great young players and we know that. It's a matter of finding a few more pieces in this build <laughs> to be able to, <laughs> to round it all out. And so for me, I, I think, I think when I watch them sometimes I'm like, yes. And then they keep that game close. Right. And then they find a way to lose it right now. And so they've got to just turn it and keep it close and find a way to win it. And so I don't think sometimes, I don't think that, that the difference is that big. It's just, it's just the, the moments are bad. So, Beth, let me ask you this. Which fan base would you rather be a part of right now? Montreal, Vancouver, oh or Ottawa? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, well, I don't want to be I don't want to be Montreal because I know that our talent uh, pool, at least with the prospects, I mean, as far as I know, Ottawa's pretty deep right now with obviously some of these really good players coming into the system over the next year or two. So I like Ottawa where they're at. And I'm not, and I've you guys know I've posted some stuff in the past. Made some bold predictions. I still think this group's going to be pretty darn good over the next couple yeah. seasons, but it's not just going to happen, right? Like you have to establish an identity. You have to establish a legitimate system where when all these guys start becoming veterans, everything's automatic. You bring in these young players that are going to come into the system, into the organization. They're integrated properly. They know what they're doing. They can learn from each other. Like this is, you can draft really well and still have a very poor team in a couple seasons. You know, you got to manage your team accordingly. So I I do like where Ottawa's at right now. I do have concerns like most people. And for me right now in the present, it's just trying to string together some wins to keep the fan base engaged. This is a business and people want to see you win games and they don't want to go drive all the way out to Canada to see your team get shelled every other night or get, you know, take a bad yeah. loss. So I'm not going to get into the technical stuff because Cheryl, I, I'm bang, like right there with her with, with regards to what she said in, in her assessment about the egregious mistakes that are happening in the D zone. You know, like the team's competitive for two periods, let's say, and all of a sudden there's just a huge breakdown either in communication or whatever it is. And all of a sudden you're just throwing all your papers in there and go, oh my God, I'm getting let down again. So I, I, if they could clean that up, I don't know where what, what you do, but they, they have to fix that. Yeah, and I, I think that that's an area that can be fixed. I think it's awareness. And I think sometimes, and you can talk to this, but you can over try too. You know, you just want it so bad yes. that you, you become so puck focused when it starts crossing your line. And it's not mm -hmm. just to me, you know, below the goal line mishaps. And I, I said this off the rush where they're in good numbers. They have good coverage and they just too follow the puck and they leave a guy open. And, and a lot of that comes back to because you do want to win. You want it so bad that you stop being aware because you just want to get the puck. And, you know, we saw yeah. that the other day in the goal, you know, it's up in the air, four guys are looking at it. Next thing you know, it's lost coverage. And, and it's not a matter of the will. I don't think anyone would question the will or the want within the group. I think it's yeah. just settling it down. And what a win would do is settle it down. So it's sometimes just yeah. getting that moment under their belt. And, and you look at the run at the end of the season, right? Nine of 12, we got some W's. Uh, to end the season, which created such an energy. And, 
And, and that isn't out of question. You know, could they, could they, you know, if they corral and rally, is this possible to create that energy around this group again? And you lock in the pieces, the young pieces in the next few years that you need to, you've got a great group here. It's just a matter of finding the other elements to build around it and cleaning up those details because they are there, right? They're, 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 they're holding close and you're saying, oh, they have a chance to win this one. And then all of a sudden you see it unravel and um, it's, it's hard to get it back. And I think that's been yeah, it's almost difficulty. It's almost a confidence thing, right? Like you mentioned it, like yeah. they're all probably just, it's not lack of effort. You're just, as a player, when things are going well, everything's compounded and you start gripping your stick, you're like hyper-focused, maybe a little too much on the puck. You lose your assignments. And with a young group like that, that's fragile, it's a dangerous combination, right? So yeah. this yeah. is, and I think we keep getting back to that original point. This has to get solved internally. They have to have these meetings now. They're painful. They're, 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 they're agonizing. You're almost stressed out. Just going to the rink in the morning. You're Maybe trying to avoid the coaches. Yeah, it, you know, exactly. And so right. they're, they're, you know, this is comes down to the leadership group and the coaching staff. They have to get together. They have to come up with a good defensive plan. That's simple. Just simplify things. Have a simple go-to play on the draws in the D zone, get the puck out, try to outwork your opponents. But again, much easier said than done. And oh. I totally understand that confidence is such a big thing i know as a defender you know confidence was something that killed me my first world championship i never played a shift in the final game i don't want to talk about it i'm still not over it but anyway <laughs> i never played a shift in the final game and i mean not even a shift and i was so young and yeah. i started to be someone i wasn't because i was over trying so i wasn't doing the things that i did well so my defensive presence on the ice staying between the dots uh, making sure my first pass was good and having a good gap so just Simple things that I always focused on that were keys to my game. All yep. of a sudden, I just held onto the puck too long. My option closed. Uh, and then, yeah, I put it in the shins. Or I was overthinking, so it just took a little too long. And so as I wasn't playing, it was getting worse because now my brain is going is on fire, right? My The old mental game between your ears, the human side of performance, I call it. And and that yeah. was such a difficult piece to overcome. And it took me a long time or, or what I would consider what seemed like an eternity to get my game back. And the irony of that was I was a young defenseman, the youngest defender to ever make it. And then they cut me the following year because this is sort of the process, right? You're, oh, she, she, she didn't perform. Uh, well, yeah, I know, but I was also 17 with, you know, I had five games under my belt and I freaked out. So, and a part of that was a testament of my knowledge and understanding of the pace of that game. But again, so I think simplifying it, whether it's an, it was Olympic final for me, it was, I literally, honest to goodness, just sat there and said, simple, 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 get into it. Yep. Energy, simple, quick shifts, simple. And my first play was always a dump in because I was like, all right, I'm just going to get over and get it in, get my legs under me. <laughs> and right. But I was also high heart off the glass. I made a living out of it. Well, I didn't make a living. None of us women made a living, but, but high heart off the glass. Well, Matt right? made a living and, out of it. Um, Get it out I sometimes, did. right? Got to just, just get, get the out. damn thing out. So yeah. uh, I think that uh, just keeping it simple is exactly exactly right. And then building off things that do go right. Okay, I gotta just want to go back to that game. I don't want to belabor it, obviously, but did you know going into that game, there's a chance that you're not going to see the ice or much of it? Like, were you caught completely off guard? The coach had kind of alluded to the fact that I wasn't going to get much, but I didn't really think I wasn't going to get any. Um, yeah. And I remember not feeling like I contributed. And so, you know, you win a world championship mm. and you, 
listen, when you, when you're in the AHL, all you want to do is make it to the big club, right? Or if you're for me, uh, I can't lend to that and ever play the AHL, but for me, it would be like, okay, I just want to make the national team and I'll do anything yeah. to get there. And then when you get there, you're a competitor, you're intrinsically motivated. No one who's playing at this level, you know, they started when they were a young, young player with a dream probably. Right. So they're intrinsically motivated to get there. And now I'm there and I want to be a part of it. And so we just, which is exactly what you should want. And so when I wasn't playing, I just thought, do I belong? And all these questions creep in and then you might get that shift, which I did not get. And I don't even know if I would have been ready to handle, handle to take it, the limited minutes uh, as a young defenseman. Yeah. And so I appreciate, I really do the time it takes um, and the patience that some clubs have with their athletes in, in getting them there. And then how grueling uh, it can be when they don't have the patience with you. So for me, it took a couple of veterans. I remember coming off and it was Angela James when first went into the Hockey Hall of Fame who said, hey, hey kid, Rome wasn't built in a day and I didn't even know what the hell she meant. But uh, you know, just took me under her wing and said, you got this. And I think that was a big learning experience for me. And, and, and asking, we talk about feedback and, and accountability. I had to go find out why the hell I didn't make it the following year. And it was tough to, tough to hear the words that you need to work on this and this and this. Um, but it would be how I reacted to it that would make the difference. And so, you know, I think I learned a lot in reflection. I wasn't happy when I was going through it, but uh, it, it, it was tough. And then you, listen to this, when you go to the 2005, 2006 Olympic year, they didn't, they took five defensemen to the Olympics. Why? Not Whoa, one of us. Not one of us. Really? On a special team. Had, yeah. Yeah. Basically said, you can't handle That's the puck pounder so 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 we're taking five because we've got no one on the power play yeah so again wow. been through so many different situations where you're like okay first of all you're going to five because you, you know you don't trust any, any of us on a power play um and you know so again that, you know that can be deflating so i think it, it, it was never the coach for me it was always the room that sort of built us back up so yeah wow. different for everyone so I, I'm going to assume 94 was the first world championship. So 99 yeah. is the second. So there's a five-year gap. When you won that 99 one, was there a complete different feeling for you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and you'd love to say, listen, oh, I got a gold medal at the world championship. I, you know, I was thrilled. I was thrilled. But I felt like I contributed more in 99. And so I, I went sure. on in 1990, 1994, made it, got cut 95. I was still in the program, got cut 97, 98, didn't make the first Olympic team, even though I had tried. Crazy. And I remember being devastated, sort of sitting in my room thinking, okay, it's over. And, you know, you got that demotion. This was my demotion. This was my, I've been there. I've won a world championship and now I'm no longer even in the mix. And um, when I got clawed my way back on, it was through, yeah, hard work, but again, working with people who could help me in the areas that I needed help in. And that takes a lot of authentic looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, okay, well, you suck at this, you need to work on this or whatever. And so when I was told I was going to 99, I can honestly say I was emotional. I, I was scared. I think I played afraid a little bit. Um, so I became more defensive in nature because I didn't want to be a risk taker and that would then pigeonhole me into what the rest of my career would be, in my opinion, um, because I didn't want to make a mistake. And I think sometimes when you play 
scared, you don't play free. And there is a fine balance. Um, but when that happened, um, it sort of stymied my growth and creativity on the offensive side of the puck. Um, mm. But in 99, certainly I felt like I, I had made it and then I would stay on the team until 2007 and go through the two Olympics that we would win. So where my role would change and, I, you know, eventually be a, a strong defender on the team that would be called upon in the big minutes. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I remember vividly in, in Salt Lake City in 2002 when we hadn't won a game and I step on the ice and there was so much energy in that damn building. And I remember the final seconds of the game and I was just through the moon because I had been on the ice a lot because I was a penalty killer. And when it was all over and we, we skated over to the boards, I looked at my parents and said, thank you. And I did not remember a shift I played in. It was incredible to have the gold medal put around your neck. I looked up at my brother in the stands, nowhere to lie, guys. He's wearing a Captain Canada cape, painted body. He's running down 10 rows of people, screaming at the top of his lungs while crying, that's my sister, let me at her. Like, I didn't even Amazing. know he loved me. It was one of my favorite moments of the Olympics, right? <laughs> Playing road hockey with brothers oh, that just hits you in the head all the time. Yeah. And, um, and I've never watched that game again. And it was interesting. I asked Kim St. Pierre the same question when she was going into the hall. And I said, Kim, have, have you ever watched the game again? She goes, no pounds. I said, why not? She goes, oh, it's perfect. And I said, damn right, it's perfect. I ain't watching it again either. So yeah, yeah, just a perfect memory. Yeah. Oh, awesome. that's so good. Uh, by the way, you, just Kim St. Pierre just went in the Hall of Fame. I guess what's that like to watch teammates that you've gone to battle with over and over again uh, being recognized? And finally, more women being put into the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is what it should be. Well, I think it's fantastic. I think you you look back to where to where the game has come from and the, the women that are in, they're the right choices. They are the right choices to be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. You talk about the builds, the, the number of registration and increases in the women's sport is, is tremendous. And I think that they now have representation it is unbelievable. And watching Kim go in and having all of us there uh, was phenomenal because the stories, you know what it's like, you get back together with everyone. Listen, women are no different than guys this way. We have our stories and what we've been through together. And it, you pick up where you left off with, when you're, when you're talking with great teammates. But one thing about Kim is that, and I often say this, and I think, you know, it, it's pivotal on any team. She never gave up that, that weak one, you know, the deflating goal. Mm. And because of that, we always knew that we had a shot, even when the Americans were better. And um, she stood on her head in Salt Lake City. I think her, her best game was actually the year before where we had lost eight, we had been lost a ton of games. Or sorry, we won the final game uh, in Minneapolis and we shouldn't have. And I think sometimes we get a false sense of security when we do win. And uh, we need to start look consistently at when we're winning and losing. And, and that was probably her best game for me. Um, because she saved my bacon a ton. So, um, yeah, yeah, she was pretty awesome uh -huh. and just a, a, a wonderful role model for her children and boys and girls alike in sport. So just thrilled to see her go in. I, I could spend all day talking to you about your amazing hockey career. And I do have one more question before we go, which is a little bit off the board. Uh, we saw Brad Marchand the other day. Uh, I guess Artemi Panarin chucks his glove at Brad Marchand on the bench. Um, something I've never seen before. I guess I've seen the helmets get thrown on the ice, but never between benches. So uh, have either one of you experienced something like this? And how much 
does someone have to get under your skin for you to lose it to throw something at him on the bench? Meth, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about that. I mean, I, I mean, I've been, I've had things thrown at me. Like when I played junior, we played in all the old barns, like in Windsor, where like the fans were right above you, and I've had batteries thrown at me, drinks, you name it, because there was no security, and it was just a different game back then. Um, but as far as like players go, not really. I mean, maybe the odd time a guy might kind of like you're in a scrum and you drop your stick, the guy might kind of shoot your stick away to make it kind of a pain in the ass to go and pick it up afterwards. But I mean, it's that's that's gamesmanship. Like I have no problem with that stuff. It looks a little immature and ridiculous, but it's more storylines. It's it probably yeah, ended yeah. up on ESPN somewhere. Like so, you know, you can make an argument that it's not how you want your sport to be viewed. But these are all little mini little storylines that are happening in the big picture. And I, I'm all for it. I love it. I find it entertaining. It's more talking points for us media types now. So yeah. I'm, I'm all about it. I kind of, I, I was working in um, Sens game when that happened. I, I kind of laughed actually. And it, it, when, it, when, when I look back to my, when I look back to, to my experiences, the only one that threw me for a loop, guys, no word of a lie, we're getting ready. I forget what Olympics was and we were playing some, some guys teams. And a guy dropped his gloves and wanted to fight me. And I, I didn't know what to do. I kind of laughed. I was like, man, oh, man, I'd love to say you should have seen him when I was finished with him. But I can't. I, I just I laughed. I didn't know what the hell to do. I thought, does he is, is, he, is he serious? Like, does he really want to fight me? Because I took him out on a one on one. But um, that was that was really uncomfortable because I sat there like I'm five five. He's six two. Like, I don't, I, 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 do I hit him? Because I know where I'm going to hit him if I hit him. So do I hit him? And, yeah. you know, I'm staring up at him. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I think I made him feel worse because I laughed. However, it, it, that's the most <laughs> uncomfortable I've ever felt. That's wild. Um, yeah. By the way, Panarin got a $5,000 fine for doing it. But I just, <laughs> the thought that somebody has said something for you to get that wound up in a hockey, because stuff gets said all the time. But it's just such an art form to get wound up enough that you lose well, your mind uh, to throw Mar a glove. Marshawn, he's good at winding guys up, though. Like we played against him yeah. in the playoffs, and I've heard him. He's got a mouth on him. He's good at he's good at chirping other players. And when you've got this little fellow skating around the way he does with his chin up <laughs> as high as it is, that confident, it can get on your nerves a little bit. But um, you know, kudos to him if you're able to get under a really good player's skin. Again, gamesmanship. It's part of the game. It's what you do. Yep. There's chirping in the women's game too, just so you know. There's lots of Oh, it. I'm sure. Who's the best I'm chirper? I'm going to refrain from getting involved in this one, so I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. But uh, I didn't. All know. right, just tell me who's the best Who's the best chirper you ever played with? No. No. Sealed. Really? It's Cassie Campbell. It's got to be Cassie Campbell. She talks crap. I couldn't. I couldn't picture Cassie running her mouth. I couldn't do it. Kidding. No, honestly, it's. You know, I think it's always just the heat of the battle, and just you know, you know, tendencies of players. So then you can pick on them. It's like anything in sport. You know their tendencies. You know what gets them going. Then you do it sometimes. Competitive edge within within reason, right? Respectable within reason. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot. Oh, guys, I forgot. I told Sam Cicerello I would give you an Ottawa because I've been waiting to come. Mark, we were supposed to be on a panel together, and then of course we got pulled back. So I told Sam I'd give you a big yeah. Ottawa there for our Sam's producer. Oh, so. we'll get it going. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't need any more attention. <laughs> 
we'll we'll get Whitewater to provide the beers for you guys. Um, Cheryl, nice. we appreciate your time. It's it's been phenomenal, uh, and you do really really good work. I watched you the other day. So people that don't understand, like there are little mannerisms people you can pick out on set just to understand how comfortable people are watching you on set. Uh, it you are like you a twenty year veteran. It's so easy and fluid for you, and I know there's chaos going on all around in the background because that's the way tv mm -hmm. is to watch you work i think you are phenomenal at what you do oh thanks guys well you know we got some great helpers over at tsn and some great guys just you know to be able to bounce ideas off of and and talk hockey with and always willing to share information which i find is critical in life is, is people are willing to share and, and they've done a great job of that with me so uh, i've really enjoyed i've really enjoyed the work and having a lot of fun with it as well and thanks for having me on today and like i said next time i'll have my little christmas tree although we might need to put an x <laughs> to it and um and, and and maybe a couple maybe maybe a couple pints absolutely oh, and a billy minor pie maybe, because apparently i don't know what billy that minor is. pie yeah. I, guys, I had no idea until I came to Ottawa last year, uh, last weekend, and they were at the keg, and I'm, they're yeah. like, "You've never heard of it," and we didn't get one; we had to run. And I said, "I have no idea what the hell is the Billy Minor pie? Like, do we need eight forks for this pie?" And they're like, "No," and then they went off on it. So it's been a topic of conversation around all of us right now that I, I actually need to get um, a try of this Billy Minor pie. But I, someone sent me a picture that has almonds on it. Yeah, yeah, they're good though. They're really good. Uh, toasted? Uh, yeah, I'm not really yeah. sure. I haven't had one in years. Yeah. Okay, just checking. Wally could tell you all about it. He eats them every day, so that's good. Okay. I've I've never had a Billy Miner pie. See, I'm not the only one. <laughs> no. Jeez. No, I I debated <laughs> saying that because I'd be like, well, of course everybody's had one, but in reality, I've never had one. I never have room when I leave there. I'm too full because I go for the cake classic all the time. Come on. Exactly. Always. Right. Uh, how do you like your steak, by the way? Well done? Medium? Medium rare. Okay. Maybe this interview is over. Medium rare. I'm a medium Perfect rare. answer. Perfect answer. Yeah, Wally. Well, Cheryl, you know Wally just overcooks the shit out of all his red meat. So that's why he's at. Yeah. He's looking for somebody to, like, validate his way of doing it. And he's never going to find it Now we can anywhere. throw it against a wall and uh, have it bounce back to your plate. <laughs> Knock that's somebody not, out with it? <laughs> that's not, no, no, sorry. Yeah. I like my ground beef well done. Yes. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, well, so I, is it anyway. charred like on the outside, like charred full on? Like when you cut it, you need like a fine- it's Charred no, inside no. and out. It, it's allowed to have like a slight hint of pink. Okay, so do you have yeah. ketchup with it? <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's off. That's no, that's wrong. That's just foul. sorry, sorry, I, sorry. I just had to ask. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll talk soon, Cheryl. Take care. <laughs> Bye, guys. Uh, there goes Cheryl Pounder, who uh, does phenomenal work uh, at TSN with Sense Games coverage. Uh, we're very fortunate to have her. We're fortunate that she stopped by. Um, Matt, there's still lots to talk about. If you've got a few minutes, I want to get to. I think I did. Um, yeah. The way the line, the way the lineup looked the other night in L uh, in LA. Now, it's all over the map because I think they were just trying to figure out a way to just generate something, right? When you put, you know, Brady Kachuk with Stutzla and Connor Brown, and then it went Nick Paul, Norris, yeah. Ennis, well, Formanton, Gambrell, Sanford, <sighs> Tierney, Shaw, Watson, and and Lassie Thompson was a healthy scratch. So they move stuff around all over the place. That's not the point. Just I'm just curious of like, are they at a 
point now where they're out of answers. Now we will point out like Drake Batherson's gonna return. He should be in the lineup Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They should have Adam Gaudet. They just picked up off waivers to be in the lineup. So someone's gonna have to come out. Uh, yeah. Logan Shaw is on waivers to make room. He'll go down. But like, is it just a team that DJ Smith goes, just anybody, just help me? Yeah, well, that's so when you start seeing lines scramble up as much as they have, like you're getting zero consistency from a game to game basis. That's just, you know, you're starting to get desperate and that's not a, an indictment towards DJ or anybody in particular. That's just as a whole, the organization, they're just struggling that much. So the biggest thing, I mean, the, the answer is simple is your uh, Batherson hasn't been playing. As soon as he comes back in, it should settle the lineup back to the way it should be. Uh, where you get a nice little balance throughout those top three lines. I, yeah, I, I'm at a point now, Wally, where it's like, you know, we can keep dissecting these lineup changes and it, nothing's really helping. Uh, I, I don't know what the answer is anymore. <laughs> I think, I think oh, you they know what are it is? what they Matt, are. I'm gonna be, let me just put it to you this way. If they had, and I, this isn't to put it at the feet of goaltending, but if they had goaltending that stood on its head, something like Craig Anderson has done for many years in an Ottawa net when they didn't have a great group in front, I think it would, we would, and if they had a few more wins, then we wouldn't be nearly where we're at at this point. Is that fair? Like, if they could get some guys to stop pucks, and I know yeah. that's asking a lot for guys that necessarily shouldn't be in that position, uh, but if they had Matt Murray, the Stanley Cup winning Matt Murray, this would be a whole different conversation. But would it though? I, I, you, I mean, goaltending can definitely be better, Wally. You're not wrong. But I don't know that that's the the all end all answer here. I, I I really don't. I think when I'm looking at their group, no, but what it co- but it covers try- up stuff, right? Like it it covers. Yeah, up uh, you're right. A, well, it, a mess. it puts it puts that's a, what, that's it puts a ba- it puts a band aid on a really big yes. deep cut, right? And that's <laughs> so that was my you're point. not you're yeah. not you're no no, and I'm agreeing with that 100. percent I, I yeah. look, they're in a really tough position right now, and now. It's even more chaotic because you've just sent your $6 million goaltender back down to the American League. And he's going to be disgruntled. I mean, I know I would be. I would not be happy. Uh, whether he yep, believes sure. he belongs there or that or not is relevant. I mean, every player at the NHL level, particularly a player who's won a couple Stanley Cups, will probably believe he belongs in the NHL. Um, I know a lot of people are unhappy with the inconsistencies. I am as well. Uh, I'm sick of talking negative about a team. I'm sick of being critical. I think we all are. Um, it'd be nice yeah. to sprinkle in the odd win here and there so that we have some nice little so- storylines to talk about. My yeah. view on this group is very simple. I know where I know what they are. My expectation level was very reasonable going into the season. I didn't buy into the whole, every team's going to try to sell you a ton of hope. I never once yep. assumed they were a playoff team. That's okay, right? We had this discussion last week. That's fine. Yep. If they're reasonably competitive, where they're you know fighting for a spot perhaps, or they're always they're not necessarily flat out out of the picture by Christmas. That's good, you know, because at least you're getting good fan engagement. Um, you know, if you're going to go to Canada to watch a game, there's a chance they might win that night. I'm at a point now. We're doing these Methstradamus se- segments and stuff like that, and I'm like. I got to bet against them every day now because I'm looking at the teams they're playing against and the sure. numbers don't check out in their favor, right? So, uh, you know, I got all these notes in front of me and I can try to analyze what's going on. They're, they need more depth. They need better defensive structure. You know, defensively, they're horseshit. They are. You know, and, and 
you can talk about their offensive woes, their goaltending woes. This is a collective thing where you need better back, back support from your forwards. You need better low puck support in the D zone. You need better communication yeah. with your goaltenders. You need better communication with your players that are going back on puck retrievals. You need to create some offensive sustained zone pressure to wear down your offensive players. Like there's a million things I could spew off right now. And I'm sure the team is well aware of it. So, you know, we're going to keep doing this little song and dance until this team starts stringing together some wins. They've got an opportunity yeah. coming up. They're playing. I think we had the schedule up earlier where they've got Vancouver coming up. Uh, we yeah. saw the poll in the chat, right? But Fans seem to think there's a good chance that they can win that game. Great. Okay. And that's not saying a whole lot, but I'm frustrated. I want to see this team do well. I, I think you're going to get a good jolt when Batherson reenters that lineup. Sure. It'll create more stability through those top four lines where at least they have a shot in hell to win a game. And uh, we'll have to wait and see how they do until then. All right, so they're going to have Drake Batherson return, as we talked about from COVID protocol. Uh, he's their leading scorer, no question. Uh, they're also going to get Adam Godet. I think he should be in the lineup on Wednesday. Uh, they picked him up off waivers uh, from Chicago. Uh, he's played 15 games of the last two seasons in Chicago, so he hasn't played a lot of hockey uh, at the National Hockey yeah. League level of late. Uh, he is a former Hope Hobie Baker winner. I did speak to one Senator player yesterday who's excited to see him in the lineup, and I understand he's a yeah. waiver claim, but they still think that he brings something. Um, yeah. Is it just, is this more Band-Aid covering though right now with Adam Godet? I'm reluctant to say it's Band-Aid covering. I mean, I could tee off on the team right now if I wanted to, but I mean, I don't think it's, yeah. I don't think it's a terrible move. Really, I, I don't. Um, he's a player that I'm hopeful will bring some pace. Um, his numbers aren't that bad and he's still a young player. Like he's not, you know, he's, he's, he's a potential, it's a risk. But a, but, but a very low-risk yeah. move by the team, right? So you bring in a player that's sure. on a team that's struggling big time, right? You enter him in there, see what he can do. Maybe he can bring a little pace to the lineup, juice up that fourth, third or fourth line maybe, depending on where they slot him. Uh, I don't I don't mind it. You know, at, at this point, they're desperate. They're going to have to see what, what sticks. Uh, I, he's got a nice little resume. You mentioned there he's got – he's a Hobie Baker Award winner. Let's see what he can do and just go from there. Yeah, uh, but okay, they picked up a few guys off waivers. We haven't seen really. This Anton Forsberg was one. I guess Victor Mete being another. Uh, I, if it's a yeah. waiver pickup, it's not typically somebody that's going to work out or it's here for the no. long time. There's very rare that have an impact on the lineup. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. And we I think we talked about that a little bit in the summer where we were kind of going over some of these players like Mete how they've rarely, rarely work out for a team long-term, right? Like, I can't think of a player yeah. right now. I'm sure people out there could help us out, but uh, it's just, it's not something you need to, you should be relying on. You have to, you have to make a big boy move, right? Like, you got to go out there, do your due diligence, find a player that's roughly in his mid-20s, still has a lot of juice left in his tank, and you're going to have to give somebody up. That's just the reality of it. And you have to make a fair assessment, a good, fair honest internal assessment of what you actually need to address is that another centerman is that a winger is it a good third line player is it a top four defenseman whoever it is you have to commit to it you're going to get rid of a player probably a current player and a, and or a prospect that you're looking forward to having in the lineup and commit to that move until then i mean you're going to keep trying to we mentioned the band-aid wally we're going to have to keep bringing in band-aids to fill up the you know the, to fill the void on that gap on a big cut that long term isn't feasible so 
I don't know enough about these young players. You know, we were talking about Godet. I don't know anything about him. I, I mean, yeah. I looked him up a little bit online. I looked at his numbers. They looked okay. But um, uh, to me, at this point, uh, like you, you, you can't just hope on the yeah. reinforcements and one thing that are coming in, Wally. You know. No, and let's not even venture into the Evander Kane situation because there's no way no. in God's green earth no that he's coming to Ottawa, no nor chance. should he be. No, no, no we have, chance. We've had and, enough and examples Wally, of really why quickly, he doesn't need to be around this organization. That, yeah. that you can make an argument if you're looking at a veteran group that's established, that has a really strong core of leaders. Okay, maybe sure. if you're really hurting, you want to bring him in. He could produce, we know that. But yeah, it's a non-conversation in Ottawa. Uh, all right, uh, that is it. I, we've got a big show coming up uh, Thursday, by the way. But before we do that, oh, just yeah, a reminder right now, it is Cyber Monday. Um, go to gongshow.com. They've got all their uh, hats are on sale right now, all their toques, all that stuff. Uh, it's on for deals. So just go to gongshow.com and get in and order up some winter gear for yourself. Uh, Gong, it is uh, Cyber Monday. Um, so, Matt, before we go, uh, well, I guess as we go, uh, we're going to play a clip uh, from Andre Waugh. Now, Andre Waugh played for the Ottawa Senators 20 years ago, I think it was, but he still remains a fan favorite in the city. You can catch him on RDS. He yeah. does a lot of funny stuff. He's done stand-up <laughs> comedy with, with Matt Barnaby. Um, it's not PG-rated by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> but uh, we did an interview with him just before this week. Uh, he's phenomenal. Uh, we're going to end the show today on how it started with Andre in our interview, he's and you'll get a beauty. sense of what the interview is about to be like so uh without further ado please enjoy uh the interview and thanks <laughs> once again for watching the wally mathot show we'll see you on thursday screw this i'm recording it yeah, yeah. you gotta <laughs> <laughs> hey. so andre can you just tilt your camera for us a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and maybe turn your microphone on too while you're at it i don't know yeah, there he is. Connected. Okay, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Um, hey, fellas. Hey, buddy. How's it going? Can Andre, <laughs> turn your fucking camera. Oh, fuck. This way? Oh, yeah. we. Yeah, is that better, Wally? Is that no, it's sideways? It, it is, it, is it locked? Like, is the... Um, yeah, yeah it, you might have to unlock... So you oh unlock the camera so it, it like, so you're, you fill the screen. <laughs> That's what I was doing. I was going sideways, this way. Hey, right? yeah. hey. Right, there we go. Hey, nail how it. I do it, usually. <laughs> First try. Yeah, I, I didn't comb my hair. Uh, I didn't have any more DPD-2 in my uh, compartment hair. So, yeah. How's it going, guys? I'm good. Uh, great. How are hey, you? Friends. Yeah. It's been a while, eh? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think and, now that you're a big TV and, star, you don't have time. No, you guys didn't reach out. That's like, uh, you know, spitting chiclets. Uh, all those guys, they don't reach out. They're just big stars now. And uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just a nobody, but I'm glad to reach out, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm glad man. you guys reached out, you know, so. Yeah. You're the first, I think you're the first French Canadian. Is he not the first French Canadian we've had on, Wally? Uh, well, you. Uh, no, I think you're someone Jacques, else. Okay. With Jacques. Jacques, with Jacques Martin. Martin. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Jacques Martin. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, uh, okay. I think Andre needs to uh, work uh, 
on his conditioning. Uh, he's an individual <laughs> that brings a lot of uh, toughness to our lineup, and that's important that Andre do a little bit of extra to improve as a player and be part of this going down in the playoffs. Thank you, Jacques. <laughs> Uh, oh, that's amazing. I, I was going to get to Jacques. Brent, look um, at this. Hey. What, hi, there you go. Hey, Andre, nice. back in the day. I didn't have, you know, a, I didn't know you had this. or McGratton, but uh, <laughs> they, they only did one. They only did one, and uh, I asked if I could keep it. So actually, I stole it, so I left with it. <laughs> and they traded me. <laughs> uh, oh, my God.